Rigdon. How to save your soul? Actually, there is nothing complicated here if you really strive for this in your everyday life, if you know and understand your own soul, and hence the reason for your existence. For this, you certainly need knowledge about yourself and your nature, and also about the main action in human life, work on oneself. The seeds of different sprouts of his essence are concealed in a human, but only one of them is true. Why is the human, while looking for the meaning of his coming into the world, so concerned with the mystery of life until the very departure from it? Because even though he is here temporarily, he has the power to change his nature. The meaning of human sojourn in this world is spiritual growth, the aspiration to leave the state of the material belittling of consciousness for spiritual elevation, transformation, and soaring to his purpose and flourishing of all the best that is in him. When a human acquires wings of self development, they elevate him to the heights of perceiving the truth, qualitatively transforming his nature. Perhaps I will tell about the human internal structure in more detail. This knowledge has almost been lost in the river of time, but its echoes can still be found on the banks of the modern world. So what is the soul? As I have said before, the soul is the true antimatter, a particle from the outside, from the spiritual world, the world of God. The soul is a constituent only of the human being. It is his main potential, a portal, and each person's direct connection with the spiritual world. It is not present in plants or animals or in any other matter, including intelligent matter. The soul enters the emerging energy structure of the human being on the eighth day after the birth of the physical body of a newborn baby. If we take the structure of the physical body, then the approximate location of the soul is in the area of the solar plexus, that is the actual center of man. Yet, the soul is neither the solar plexus, nor the heart, nor any other physical organ or system, including the brain, the mind, consciousness, thinking, intellect, or mental abilities. Everything mentioned above is neither a product nor a property of the soul. All this applies to the material world. Surgical removal, transplantation of various organs of the physical body, for example of the heart, or blood transfusion, have nothing to do with the soul. I emphasize that it is located in the energy structure of the human being and not in the physical part of this structure. Each human being has one soul. It is single and indivisible. There is no difference between the soul of a man or a woman. The soul has no gender. Souls of all people are identical in their nature. And in this sense, you can say that people are very close and kindred to each other. The soul is not matter. It does not wear out. It does not get old or sick. It is perfect in relation to the material world but is not sufficiently individually perfect in relation to the world of God. As a result of repeated reincarnations in the material world, the soul is burdened with information capsules.
What is a human being? During a lifetime, a human being represents a multidimensional spatial object which is built around the soul and which has its own intelligent personality. The usual shape and the structure of the physical body which is visible to the eye, together with its physical and chemical processes, as well as a control system, including the material brain, is only a part of the overall human structure which relates to the three-dimensional space. In other words, the human being consists of a soul with its information capsules, a personality, and a structure that is made up of, say, various fields of other dimensions, including the physical body, which is located in three-dimensional space. What is an intelligent personality? A new personality is formed in a new structure, a new body. The personality is who every person perceives himself to be during his lifetime, the one who makes the choice between the spiritual and the animal natures, who analyzes, draws conclusions, and accumulates personal baggage of sensory and emotional dominance. If a person develops spiritually during his life, to such an extent that his personality merges with the soul, then a qualitatively new, mature being is formed. It is different from the human being, and it leaves for the spiritual world. This is, in fact, what is called the liberation of the soul from the captivity of the material world, passing into nirvana, attainment of holiness, and so on. Otherwise, if in the course of human life, such emerging does not happen, then after the death of the physical body and the destruction of the energy structure, this intelligent personality, together with the soul, goes to a rebirth, reincarnation, turning into, let's call it thus for convenience in order to understand the gist, a sub-personality. When the physical body dies, the human being continues its existence. In the state of transition, it has a spherical form with spiral structures. The soul, together with its information capsules, is enclosed in this formation. The information capsules are sub-personalities from previous incarnations, including the personality from the recent life. Information capsules, which are located around the soul, are sensory and emotional bundles more specifically, an intelligent information structure that can associatively be compared to a kind of a nebula. To put it simply, these are former personalities from previous incarnations. There can be many of such subpersonalities near the soul, depending on how many times the person has reincarnated. Anastasia that means that a subpersonality is a personality just like you, which was active in the past incarnations of your soul. Rigdon. Yes. In other words, it is a former personality from a past life with all the baggage of sensory and emotional dominance, positive or negative ones, which it accumulated during its lifetime, that is, with the result of its choice during life. The personality, as a rule, does not have a direct connection with subpersonalities. Therefore, the person does not remember his previous lives, 
and accordingly the experience and the knowledge gained by these subpersonalities. However, in rare cases when certain circumstances overlap, the personality may experience a vague feeling of deja vu or short-term spontaneous manifestations of the activity of the latest subpersonality, or short-term spontaneous manifestations of the activity of the latest subpersonality, the one which precedes the current incarnation. This is particularly typical for people in early childhood. There are cases which have been recorded in papers on psychiatry when children in whom no deviations have been observed and who have healthy parents manifest short-term unnatural behavior akin to borderline personality disorder. I will give one of such examples. A four-year-old girl started having one and the same dream. Against the background of light, a boy was calling her to approach him but he wouldn't let her go into the light. She started complaining to her parents about this dream which was depressing her, and in the evenings she started behaving in an unpredictable, aggressive way which had previously been unusual for her. She would also become unusually strong. The four-year-old girl would angrily turn over tables, chairs, a heavy bedside table. She would not recognize her mother, would throw a fit, and say in an accusatory way, you're not my mother, you will die anyway, and so on. That is, the girl's words and behavior were unnatural for her, but they were quite natural for a subpersonality that had gone through reincarnation and was then in the state of hell, experiencing suffering and animal pain. The next day, the child would become normal again and behave as usual. This is a typical example of a short-term manifestation of negativism of the previous subpersonality. The best thing that can be done in this case is to actively develop the child's intellect, expand his or her horizons of knowing the world, and wait until the primary search takes place and a new personality forms. The primary search happens as a rule by the time a person is 5 to 7 years old. The fact is that in early childhood prior to the primary surge, such a short-term activation of the previous personality, subpersonality, may indeed take place. The latter, while a new personality is forming, is trying to get to the consciousness and seize power over the person. However, other cases of manifestation of a subpersonality are much more frequent. This is when children aged 3 to 5 during the period when a new personality has not yet been formed, begin to talk from the position of an adult, experienced person. In rare cases, there may be detailed descriptions of their previous adult lives, which are in fact impossible to know at such an age. More often, though, a child speaks unexpectedly wisely about something, expressing unchildlike thoughts, and sometimes this mystically frightens adults. Parents should not be afraid of such manifestations. Instead, they should simply understand their nature. Once a child's personality is formed, such manifestations will pass. So every subpersonality preserves the individuality of its past consciousness in the form of the desires and aspirations which dominated it during its active life. The personality, as I have already said, has no direct connection with subpersonalities. 
that is, a person does not consciously remember his or her previous lives. However, such a connection between the personality and subpersonalities is preserved at the subconscious level. The latter may indirectly influence the personality and push it to certain actions, inclining it towards making certain decisions. This happens on an unconscious level. On top of that, subpersonalities, figuratively speaking, are like misty light filters, which considerably hinder the direct connection between the soul and the new personality, so to speak, between the source of the light and the one who needs it. Anastasia Misty light filters? That's a very interesting comparison. Rigdon Perhaps I will talk about this in more detail, but it is necessary to understand that all these processes take place at the level of energies. Therefore, I will use figurative comparisons for ease of perception. So, subpersonalities are located around the soul, and one can imagine them as intelligent nebulas. On one hand, they're located close to the soul and experience the influence of this powerful anti-material structure, so to speak the nearness of the breath of eternity, the presence of a particle from the world of God. On the other hand, subpersonalities experience a strong influence and pressure of dense material structures of the animal nature. That is, subpersonalities are squeezed between the two powerful forces of the spiritual and the material worlds. They constantly feel this enormous pressure from both sides. Therefore, each subpersonality becomes a kind of a light filter along the journey of the present personality to connect with the soul. The level of dimming of such a light filter subpersonality depends on the dominant life choices and preferences as well as the sensory and emotional priorities that were accumulated in its past life. For example, if in his past life a person was good and kind and did much for his spiritual development, but not enough to finally escape from the material world, then this subpersonality will be more at peace and will have fewer vibrations. It means that the energy and impulses from the soul will pass better through such a light filter. However, if a person has wasted his past life on the priorities of material values, then such a light filter subpersonality will be denser in its structure due to higher vibrations. In other words, the transmission capacity of, say, the light coming out of the soul will be much worse. This can associatively be compared to a glass soiled with soot through which true light gets distorted or penetrates less. In other words, the more the animal side dominated the person during his life, and the more material values prevailed, the harder time he will have afterwards, since he will be the bearer of a greater level of distortion. If there are many such subpersonalities with dense light filters, then it is very difficult for the now living personality to fight his or her animal nature. It is difficult to turn from the path of material dominance and feel the soul. Anastasia This means that such a person is kind of more bogged down in matter and it is more difficult for him or her to change the life vector towards the spiritual development? Rigdon Yes. 
However, it is never too late for anyone, even for such a person, to reverse the situation, since the personality has life force and the right of choice. Otherwise, the same fate that his subpersonalities are currently experiencing awaits him. By the way, it is precisely the experience of subpersonalities that indirectly results in manifestations of the fear of death in a person at a subconscious level. What subpersonalities feel in a new personality is in fact a real hell for them, speaking in the language of religion. After the death of the physical body, the personality, which becomes a subpersonality, gains its own experience and understanding of what the material world really is, what the soul is, and what the importance of the latter is for the human being. But in the structure of a new body, the subpersonality is already in a desperate position of a chained mind that understands everything, feels a strong sensory and emotional pain, but cannot do anything, including sharing its experience with the new personality. It is equivalent to the situation when you are locked in a body, but this body does not serve your mind, does not obey you, and does not do what you order it to do. That is, it does not serve you at all and lives on its own. You are aware of all this, but cannot do anything about it. You only sense the incredibly awful pressure, the same mistakes made by the new personality again, and an understanding of your own inability to change the direction of the vector of consumption of life energy. By the way, human fears, such as for instance the fear of closed spaces, arise exactly from this. The roots of the main causes of the appearance of such distorted spatial perception, which engender the deepest feeling of fear and panic in a person, are connected with the sector of human structure in which subpersonalities are located. Why, for example, are people attracted by the appeals to live in the body forever used by many sects and religions? Psychologists usually attribute this to the secret human desire that arises in response to the irrational fear of death, thanatophobia. This phobia has certain behavioral manifestations, the aim of which is either to avoid the subject of the phobia or to reduce the fear of it by means of some actions, adhering to religious rules and rituals, as well as showing increased interest in such information as, for example, eternal life in the body, and so on. That is, a person kind of hides behind all this from his unsolvable internal conflict generated by irrational fear, which is also usually accompanied by a sense of foreboding. Where do such forebodings and such fear come from? From the subconscious, and this is connected with the oppressive sensory and emotional state of subpersonalities which already have a practical understanding of what death and reincarnation are. Figuratively speaking, the desire to live in the body forever is present in man because of the fear of inaccessibility of eternity to subpersonalities which means their inevitable and final death. This is just one of the desires of the animal nature and its substitution at the subconscious level for aspirations of the soul. Anastasia What if a person manages to develop spiritually during his life to such a level that as a spiritual, mature personality 
he will be able to get out of the cycle of rebirths. What happens to subpersonalities then? Rigdon, they're simply annihilated. After all, it is merely an information structure. Anastasia, regardless of whether these subpersonalities were good or bad personalities in previous lives? Rigdon, figuratively speaking, there can be no good in your understanding subpersonalities if the personality has become a subpersonality. The personality can consciously develop spiritually and upon having merged with the soul, become free within a single lifetime. In reality, everything is simple. If a person tried to develop in a spiritual direction during this life, but didn't try hard enough, then in the next life, a new personality will have better conditions. This will expand the opportunities for its spiritual growth, but will also increase the resistance of the animal nature. Again, everything, continuation or cessation of sufferings of subpersonalities, as well as the fate of the soul and of the personality itself, will depend on the individual choice of the already new personality. Anastasia It means that the subpersonality is just an information structure? Rigdon Yes, any matter, including the human being, is just an information wave. What is in front of you, for example a planet or a bacterium, a chair or a human being, depends exactly on the information that has been put in it. But inside a human, there is a soul, which distinguishes him from any other matter. Anastasia Can the soul be called an information particle? Rigdon No, the soul does not belong to the material world. It comes from a completely different world, the world of eternity. However, man, in terms of his entire multidimensional structure in the material world, including his animal nature, as I have already said, is exactly an information wave. The soul is what is real in man. It is the main component upon which the entire structure is centered. Everything else is just additional information for development. After the spiritual personality matures and the personality merges with the soul, spiritual liberation, this information is simply de-differentiated, that is, it ceases to exist as an organized structure. Anastasia Simply put, in the human understanding, this information wave gets destroyed, but in fact it is transformed into a different quality, since information, information building blocks which everything is made up of, doesn't get destroyed as such. Rigdon. Precisely. Anastasia. You once mentioned that a sufficiently powerful medium is indeed capable of summoning a dead person for a conversation, because actually, the person does not die at the level of information. Rigdon. Yes, the human personality continues to exist, but simply in another form, as a subpersonality. If a medium is powerful enough and capable of transferring a part of his life energy, prana, to the subpersonality of the dead person to fill it with this energy, then such a subpersonality does gain temporary ability to communicate with the medium. For the subpersonality, 
The prana of a living person is, relatively speaking, sweet food in hell. It is an opportunity to get a chance to manifest itself for a short period of time. Thus, the medium, as people say, actually calls the soul of a dead person for communication. In fact, he establishes an informational connection with the subpersonality. And this happens only if the person has already reincarnated and the given subpersonality is present in the material world in a new living body structure with a new personality. At that, the whole contact goes unnoticed for the new personality. And if a person has gone to nirvana, no medium will be able to pull him or her from there to talk. The same is true for the person who is at the stage of rebirth, before a new incarnation in the material world. Why? Because such contacts of mediums are one of the guises of the animal mind, its manifestations and connections in the material world. The spiritual world is inaccessible to the animal mind. Anastasia Wow! This means that a real medium spends, leaks, his or her prana, and all this in order to feed the subpersonality. It is an unequal exchange. A person spends valuable energy intended for his spiritual growth for some trifling information from the subpersonality. So such nourishment of the subpersonality is in fact just another trick of the animal mind. Now I understand why traditional religions oppose actions of mediums and where the legends originated about hungry, insatiable ghosts whom living people tried to bait in the human understanding. Rigdon Yes, this is one of the tricks of the animal mind. Luckily, given the overall ignorance of people today about these matters, real mediums are not that many. They're mostly imitated by people who entertain the unsuspecting public with their purely psychological tricks. Anastasia. A belief has survived to the present day that dead people must not be remembered in a bad way, and if you do think about them, then only in a good way. If a dead person comes in a dream, it is believed that his or her soul has not calmed down. How true are these beliefs? Rigdon. I would specify that if you think about the dead, you should do so only from the perspective of the spiritual nature of the living, from the perspective of spiritual love, which is constructive for the living, and not from the perspective of sorrow for the past. Besides, it is necessary to understand the processes that take place in this case. First of all, it is not the human soul as such that is referred to in all these cases. As a rule, it was not only his relatives who knew nothing about it during his lifetime, but even the person himself. What is meant here is exactly the person's personality, which was well known by the community, and which became a sub-personality after the death of the body. The soul itself, when it is reincarnated, does not return to the place of its previous imprisonment. However, the sub-personality as an intelligent informational structure of the material world, even when it is locked up in a new body, can use the energies of the new body, mainly when a new personality has not yet matured. When it gains power for a short period of time, 
it can visit, thanks to its projections, those places and those people to whom it was attached during its life. Subpersonality can also manifest its activity when living people start thinking about it, the dead person, giving it the power of their attention. What does this mean for a living person? Unfortunately, I cannot disclose all the details here, as they say to the general public, since it is known that knowledge multiplies sorrow. However, I will say the following for the general understanding of the gist of these processes. The point is that when someone starts recalling a dead person, the following happens. By putting their attention, non-localized fear, and authentic emotions, grief, despondency, and depression, which arise as a result of thinking about the dead person into this process, the living person, speaking in terms of physics, imparts an additional charge to the subpersonality, transfers power. Due to that, the subpersonality becomes active. In other words, the process of recalling a dead person by the living is similar to an instantaneous transfer of charge, power, from one elementary particle to another, regardless of time or space. The subpersonality remains in the new body, but its projection immediately manifests itself when this charge is transferred. More specifically, it comes into contact with the personality of the person who is thinking about it. The latter feels this connection, such an exchange of information, with the subpersonality of the dead person at the subconscious level. In fact, the living person feeds this contact with his or her own life energy. One should not expect anything good from it, because such a subconscious exchange of information with the subpersonality only reinforces the surges of the animal nature in the person. As a result of such an information contact, the living person begins to feel melancholy, heaviness, and sorrow gets caught in a loop of thoughts, if he had been alive, this would not be happening to me, or this would not have happened if she had been alive, he wouldn't let them treat me like this, etc. In reality, the animal nature simply disguises the consumer desires of this person, for example, the desire to feel important, under the notion of lost love, generating in him longing for the past, fear of impending death, and so on. This brings suffering both to the person who recalls, manifesting in him the dominant thoughts from the animal nature and to the subpersonality whom he is recalling. On the one hand, such contact is a touch of life-giving power for the subpersonality. On the other hand, such a living charge gives it a clear awareness of its own inactive position and the state of hopelessness and this only adds torments for the former personality, which has become a sub-personality. Besides, such a provocation from the animal nature additionally burdens not only the sub-personality itself, but also the personality of the person in whose energy structure it is located. Perhaps for ease of understanding what such contact with a living person means for the sub-personality, I will give a figurative example. Imagine a person walking in a burning hot desert. He is already doomed. He is almost on the verge of death. He is tormented by pain and raging thirst. 
and then a small drop of water falls on his lips from the sky. It does not quench his thirst, but on the one hand, it gives him an illusory hope of life, or rather memories of his bygone life, and on the other hand, it gives him a clear understanding of the fact that death is inevitable. This realization further reinforces torments and sufferings of the doomed person. Anastasia Yes, truly, we do not know what we're doing. So it means that by recalling them, we actually bring suffering to our former relatives, and we ourselves suffer from that as well. And what if we look at history? How historical public personalities must be suffering, or rather there are already sub-personalities, whom the living people recall for many centuries and even millennia. It turns out that such mass reminiscences aggravate their suffering even more. Rigdon. If people, while dominated by the animal nature, remember them and put their emotional power into such thoughts, then of course this significantly burdens both the sub-personalities and the ones who are thinking about them. But there, they got what they deserved according to how they lived their lives here.